everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Rock is George podcast. You can link to the Rock is George podcast at anchor.fm slash rockisgeorge or at rockisgeorge.com. Check out all the other great interviews that I have. I have a couple of Spotify exclusive episodes as well. You can stream the Rock is George podcast on all major podcasting platforms. I have another great interview for you today with an up-and-coming band. They're called the Midnight Devils. They describe themselves as a sleazy party rock and roll band with an old-school punk attitude. Glitter, eyeliner, lipstick, and hairspray throw on for good measure. Kind of a throwback to the Sunset Strip, even though they hail out of Omaha, but I guess the Sunset Strip is slowly moving east. Because if you ask anybody on the Sunset Strip, it ain't what it used to be. So in 2018, the Midnight Devils released their debut self-released album, Something Bigger. Uh, The album got enough traction that it led to their signing with a major label. The Midnight Devils are currently working on their follow-up album. It's as yet untitled. And the record label that will be releasing it, you'll find out during the interview. The album is going to be produced by Chips Enough of Enough's Enough. Now you're kind of seeing the connection between Sunset Strip hair bands and the Midnight Devils. Punkish, hairbandish. Yeah, it's a little bit of modern meets the past, I'd say. Uh, I spoke with bassist. Sam Spade, he is also the vocalist for the band, and here's Sam. If I knew absolutely nothing about Midnight Devils, how would you describe the band's music to me? The Midnight Devils are, it's its really simple and, and complicated at the same time. It's a, a, a hard rock, party, glam, over-the-top, boogie-woogie rock and roll band. That's, uh, in a nutshell, what we do is is we're, we're glam. We, we grew up on, on bands like Alice Cooper, Kiss. Van Halen, these these cool party rock and roll bands, the Ramones, and and it's just it's down to earth party music. How did how did and when did the Midnight Devils form? We formed in 2016, uh, kind of out of the ashes of another band. Uh, our guitar player Chris Heinlein, we call him Sniper. Uh, him and I were in a in a band together, and we we wanted to put something out that was uh, different and something that was unique and we kind of grew or we were in an 80s tribute band and we thought we could we could do that but but do it on our own terms and be our own uh kind of shot callers and that's kind of how the, the midnight devils grew we we booked a tour uh down to rocklahoma and our drummer at the time bailed out on us and that's how we got jimmy mess on drums jimmy said yeah i'll do it come to chicago pick me up and we'll we finished the rest of the tour with Jimmy Mess as our drummer and never looked back. Is there a story behind the band's name? There's a story. It comes from a song. Uh, So the song is called Midnight Devils, and it's kind of that idea of uh, Friday night, right as the sun's going down, say 8 o'clock on a Friday night. It's kind of that feeling you get as you're starting to get geared up to go out with your friends and go out and rip the town apart. It's that, that anticipation, that excitement, that feeling that, uh, whatever is going to happen, it's going to be an adventure, good, bad, ugly, whatever it's going to be. You know that there's going to be a story tomorrow that you're going to be talking about. Your latest album is called Something Bigger. You guys self-released it. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the singles that you've released. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the song Pink Halo? Yeah, Pink Halo is it's one of those boogie woogie songs uh, right in the vein of Faster Pussycat, kind of borrowing off uh, the Elvis Jerry Lewis formula. But it's a, a true story about, you know, a few girls that I knew in Omaha. And I think that uh, when you write, kind of write songs like that, you're not necessarily trying to pinpoint one person but make it a general overall statement because a lot of people have gone through the exact same things that we've gone through. And a lot of our songs come from, from very true places and places, stuff that's happened to us while we're on the road. And Pink Halo is just another one of those uh, boogie-woogie, ass-shaking rock and roll songs. <laughs> so, all right, how about Generation Dirt? <laughs> Generation Dirt, that, that was the first song that I had written uh, by myself uh, coming out of, of rehab actually i went to rehab for uh i drank myself uh into a coma and that was the first song that had kind of come out of of that uh like the healing process or whatever and that's more of like a, a power song we end the night with that song every night but it's it's kind of like a, a reassurance that we're not we're not going anywhere this is who we are uh no matter you like it you hate it it doesn't matter we're gonna do our own thing and everybody else we you know we don't really care about we're going to do it our own way. Are you the primary lyricist as far as the band goes? As far as lyrics go, yes, I do most of the lyrics. Uh, Chris Sniper does, he does a few songs, and he is he's usually the, uh, uh, he's kind of the musical director of this group. So he'll uh, he'll bring in a lot of, a lot of the, the music for the songs, and we kind of collaborate that way. We're all write the lyrics, he'll write uh, the music. And, and we find that the best songs that we write are the songs that, that we kind of collaborate on. So not one person, uh, you know, writing one song. It comes out okay, but the best ones are when we work together. Are you planning on releasing any more singles before you get to your next album? Uh, no. So, so what we got going on now is over quarantine, we, we signed with Pavement Music, which is a label out of Chicago. It's the first time that, that we've been signed to a label and we we decided that you know we kind of wanted to up the game and and push ourselves push our limits so we on this new record we had chips enough produce it out there in chicago and we're going to be releasing the single for that record as soon as it's ready to go it's being mixed right now uh by chris diamonds at stonecutter studios who who did a kiss record you know so we got like these all these guys uh in our corner that are really bringing the heat so we had to kind of step up and, and write some really good songs and and push what we can do. You know, being on a major label now, uh, I think it's it's kind of it's it's our first step out into the the big boy world. Was Pavement responsible for bringing Chips Enough on board to produce the album? It was kind of a collaboration, really, between. So we've been working really hard with uh, Chuck at Artists Worldwide, which is a booking agency out of L.A. and I, I had had so much trouble finding a label. Uh, every label said no. You know, Frontiers Records said no ten times. And uh, <laughs> Golden Robot was like, you guys are too glam. It's too much for me. All these labels said no. And uh, Chuck at Artist Worldwide said, hey, I think I got this guy that might be interested. And Tim from Pavement said, you know what? I actually get you guys. You guys are, it's it's a cross. It's, it's punk rock. It's street rock and roll. It's glam. I understand what you guys are doing. I love it. So he was the really the only guy that that kind of got what we were doing, and uh, turns out he's friends with Chip as well. Uh, our drummer Jimmy was roommates with Chip, and we had done a bunch of touring with him in the past. So 
it was kind of a no brainer for us to go with Chip. And it just happened that everybody was kind of uh, already familiar with each other and friends already. So it was really a, a mutual thing. So have you guys settled on a title for the new album? We do have a title, but we can we have not announced it yet. We, and I just looked at the, the album artwork. Uh, we finally got the finished album artwork uh, yesterday with the title on it and everything. We just haven't had a chance to release it yet. I got gotcha. you. Uh, are you planning a fall release or a winter release or early next year? It's uh, it's it's tough, you know. In this climate, I'm sure you talk to a, a ton of bands that that are on the same page as us. When do you release a record? You know, we knew a lot of people that released records in March of 2020 that just kind of had to bite the bullet on it. So you're kind of just up against what do you do? Well, we don't want to release a record without having a tour to back it. I think that's the way that you uh, that bands in our position sell. Uh, sell the most records is out on tour so we kind of are waiting and inviting our time till uh, we think things are opening up we got a big tour scheduled for early 2022 so we're kind of looking in that time frame so in the meantime you have managed to play a few shows live you were out there with the london choir boys and uh, you out there uh, posting shows from your live performances and stuff like that how has it been getting back out there and touring after taking a year and a half off it's, it's incredible. You know, uh, I I love it so much. I love being on the road. And I think that where, where the Midnight Devil Shine is is on the road. We're, we're a hardworking road band. And that's really what, uh, for some reason, we just love being in the van traveling down the road. You know, we went to Florida, from, from Nebraska to Florida for two shows. And it was a 24-hour drive. You know, we did it twice. And it was brutal. But it was so cool. And the shows were worth it. Uh, we were opening for supporting Yngwie, Yngwie Malmsteen out there in Florida. And <laughs> it was just incredible experience to finally be back doing what we love to be doing. Did you have the chance to speak with Yngwie at all? Uh, I talked to him a couple times, but nothing uh, nothing much over, hey, how are you doing? He's <laughs> he's, he's an interesting one, but we're, we, he liked us, and we're going back out there in November again, too, so... Uh, it's, it's 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 a cool experience and an honor to actually be opening up for you know a legend like that. You're gonna be touring soon with another uh, '80s metal legend, uh, Loudness. Yeah, that's that's the one that's scheduled for early uh, early 2022, and that is uh, if everything goes well, it's been rescheduled twice already. So we've been on this Loudness tour for uh, almost <laughs> two years now, and it just it just keeps getting pushed back. So we're leaving. We, we had actually to Texas here in five days. We're going to be opening for Pretty Boy Floyd in Texas for uh, four shows. So that that's going to be a huge one of uh, honor. You know, I had the Pretty Boy Floyd uh, posters on my wall, and now we're going to be uh, playing with those guys in Texas for four shows. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I kind of look at your imagery and I kind of see Pretty Boy Floyd more than I see, like, Poison. Absolutely. Pretty Boy Floyd, that, that was like a... That was a game changer, especially for for me. Uh, our drummer Jimmy Mess actually played with Pretty Boy Floyd for seven months, I believe. So he, I think he made the official Wikipedia page as a drummer in Pretty Boy Floyd. But <laughs> but yeah, those guys and those songs, that songwriting, that songwriting style, uh, you know, that Steve has, we just it's what we grew up on, and now we actually get the chance to go out and do it. And I I would text people and be like, "You're never gonna guess what happened. This is super nerdy, but I made the artwork for the." for the the tour and Steve shared it on his page. You know, I never thought 16 year old me would have never thought that, that that would even be a possibility. You know, you always dream about it, but when you, when you finally see it happen, you're just like, this is really cool, really nerdy, but really cool. 
Nah, nothing wrong with that. It's nice. It's nice meeting your heroes, and sometimes it's not so nice. It was the same with the Choir Boys, though. Like I grew up uh, watching those hard and heavy VHS tapes. I don't know if you remember those at all. Oh yeah. But the Choir Boys, they did one where they were playing at Donington in front of you know a hundred thousand people, and the next thing you know, we're opening up for them, sitting at a bar talking about our families to Spike from the Choir Boys. It's kind of the, that weird rock and roll dynamic that you know things dreams come true still. Hey guys, Rock is George here, breaking in for, you guessed it, the Rock is George Whiskey Break. These whiskey companies and scotch companies and rye companies don't give me any sort of endorsement or any free product. I'm just a whiskey aficionado. I like to collect. I like to sample. I got a lot of bottles and I like to share my opinions and appreciation of whiskey with you, the listeners. Because rock and roll and whiskey, it's a match made in heaven. Uh, This week I have a brand new whiskey. I haven't even tried this. I just broke the seal on the bottle right now. Um, NFL Hall of Famer Terry Bradshaw has gotten into the bourbon business with his 212 blend. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Terry Bradshaw, of course, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's four-time Super Bowl champion, one-time MVP. 212 touchdown passes, hence the 212 blend. Three Pro Bowl appearances. He's in the Hall of Fame. I believe he does announcing. He has a reality TV show. He raises horses. The guy is busy. He's busy for a Super Bowl champion. One of the greats. So, as Bradshaw describes his bourbon... Born in the heart of Kentucky bourbon country, it's distilled by a third-generation master distiller. That would be the uh, great-grandchild or grandchild of a master distiller. Uh, At one of the oldest distilleries in the nation, they don't say which one. The whiskey is 51.9% alcohol by volume, and that's a tribute to Terry Bradshaw's passing completion rate. I don't know how they dialed it in at 51.9%, but they did. Uh, It's a serious bourbon for the ages, they say. And it should have the same respect as its namesake. The bourbon is taken from barrels aging from two to three years. Um, Bradshaw also has a rye version available. I didn't see it at the store. And this particular bourbon gets 91 points in Wine Enthusiast Magazine. And I'll tell you, that may mean something, but... I have had some 75-rated whiskeys. They're damn good. So, this is described as having vanilla, toffee, banana, and leather notes, cinnamon and baking spices, yada, yada, yada. You may taste that. You may not. So, let's give it a try. I have it poured in the glass already. It uh, doesn't have a very strong smell. Uh, Even putting my nose in it, I can feel a strong kind of alcohol That must be the 51.9% that I smell there. Let's give it a try. Ooh, I like that. Wow. Uh, It's got some good spice to it, even though it's not a rye. Um, It's got that sweet toffiness, caramelness that you find in most uh, bourbons. It's really good. You know, sometimes these celebrity... Alcohols aren't so great, it's just a name, but uh, clearly Bradshaw picked the winner here, and that could be due to the two to three years of aging. Uh, 
if it was just like a quick six months or a year, it just, it wouldn't taste the same, but, uh, that's great. Uh, highly recommended is, uh, a sipping bourbon straight up. You can have that on the rocks. That'd be pretty tasty too. Uh, Bradshaw Kentucky Street Bourbon Whiskey 212 Blend. Uh, it's a winner. It's a great winner. And uh, it's only 40 bucks. so pick yourself up a bottle. Let's get back to Sam Spade of the Midnight Devils. So you talked about meeting a couple of the people that influenced you that were kind of positive experiences. Have yeah. you run across any of your heroes that didn't live up to your standard that you had in your head? I haven't yet. Not that I can think of. <laughs> I, I really can't like, and I kind of pride myself on on you know really we don't we get along with with most bands out there because I think we're all in this together you know I don't have nobody's got the time to hate other bands it's just it's not in the cards for us there are certain bands on our level that we for some reason don't get along with but overall generally you know the Midnight Devils we get along with everybody we're out there to have a good time just like everybody else. When you played uh, Rock, Oklahoma in 2018, was it still the kind of hair band 80s, 90s festival, or had it already started shifting towards the more commercial stuff that they're doing now? It, it had already shifted, and that I'm glad that's such a good question. You know, not a lot of people know this, but Rock, Oklahoma started as a as a hair metal, primarily a glam rock festival, and when we had played it a couple years prior, and it was still uh, still very open and it was still very fan friendly and then 2018 it had completely shifted and we were the only glam band that was on the bill and and it worked in our advantage though because we we put the makeup on and walked around with our hair you know teased up to the sky and people loved it people stopped us we couldn't go anywhere there were so many pictures being taken that i think people missed it and we were the, the only ones representing that style of music at, at Rocklahoma still same kind of same with this year we we're just like man where where were the those bands that we all love they kind of switched when Live Nation took over uh, were people kind of surprised you were a newer glam band were they kind of approaching you like hey I, I missed you guys in you know 1989 I, how come I haven't heard of you yeah absolutely it's, and people are so receptive they love it they, they absolutely, because nobody's got the balls to wear lipstick and, and makeup around, uh, just walking around a normal day. And we're like, yeah, this is us. We're going to do this. And, and people latch on. It's it's an incredible feeling uh, to kind of witness and see. Uh, you know, we call ourselves like not, not necessarily the new generation or the next wave, but that's what it is. We're the guys that are kind of taking over, uh, over after, you know, what happens with Def Leppard and Motley Crue, all those bands kind of disappear who's going to be left you know it's us we're the we're the ones that are doing it still we're out uh you know doing one-nighters in, in cities all across the country and so the people at rock Oklahoma, they they recognize that they, they recognize the realness and they loved it it was you know we played in front of thousands of people there they just absolutely went crazy because it's it's old it's old and familiar but new still exactly and you sort of a it's sort of a demographic there when it at least comes to Rock, Oklahoma, and that sort of style that you play. And most of the consumers are in most of the consumers of music or disposable incomes, if you will, are into that 70s, 80s, 90s sound. Yeah. And, and, it, and the cool thing is about this band is that it doesn't there's not really I find myself thinking about that, too. Like, OK, what, who, who are the people that we're playing to? 
and and I get surprised every time, especially in, in bigger cities where it's not you know older people that that grew up on this stuff. It's young kids that are still out there uh, partying every night of the week, going to the bars because we're so different and so unique and so visual that uh, it kind of brings everybody in, no matter what style of music, no matter what uh, you know sexuality you identify as, no matter what what you do, what color you are. This is it, it's all about about the party, all about that good time. And it doesn't really matter at this point what what age you are or, or what, you know, what you're into. We welcome everybody in with open arms. Do you think that this is a style or a genre of music that could possibly make a comeback on the radio? Or do you think that it's doing just fine playing out in the uh, local clubs and bars? I that is such a good question. And I, I don't know. You know, radio is so weird. And so kind of where I came from is is. FM radio is, is what I was doing for a job for a while, and I don't know that anything's breaking into FM radio. It's it's very uh, very program directed and and very uh, the same, very commercial. So I I just don't know. I think there is a calling and uh, a drive in this style of music and a realness that people love. That it's that real dangerous rock and roll unpredictability that people really love and. I don't see that in a lot of the newer acts that are coming out. I don't see the, the professionalism, the, you know, that kind of nod to the, to the guys that came before us, but we're still doing it our own way. I, I do think that there's, there's room to grow and that nobody's doing it like we are. And that really the sky's the limit on what we want to do and what we want, you know, the goals that we want to achieve, especially knowing that we got signed to a label. I mean, we were going to do it ourselves anyways, but now that we got kind of a label backing, I think it's a really cool thing. And it's an opportunity that we, we don't plan on wasting. Uh, do you have any other musical ventures outside of the Midnight Devils or does this pretty much consume all your time? This is pretty much it. This is what I do uh, every day. Uh, I do DJ. The other musical venture that I have is I DJ uh, at strip clubs when, during the, you know, when we're not touring. So that's kind of my uh, the backup when we're home is that I'm uh, I'm DJing, so I'm I'm heavily involved in music. But as far as uh, putting out music, it's a, it's fully the Midnight Devils. That's all, all all the time I have to focus on. Okay, so you DJ at a strip club. Why don't you get right. the band to perform at the strip club? It seems like you guys would fit in perfectly. We actually do in Omaha. There's a, a our home bar in Omaha is is called American Dream, and it is a strip club and a rock venue all in one. And so when we when we do our homecoming shows or our tour kickoff shows, we always start at American Dream and really blow it up, invite all the strippers down to the show, and everybody just gets crazy all together. It's just, it's just it's wild, absolutely mayhem. Yeah, now that that's more like it right there. <laughs> it's, it's, got- cool, it's a cool setting, man. You couldn't ask for a better place to have a show than a strip club. Absolutely, especially for your style of music and uh, your your style of your look. That you got everything. You had the strippers. It's like bang. Now you got to find a way to take them on tour. The the that I don't think I haven't thought about that. I've had strippers go. You want me to hire hire me to come dance on your stage during the shows? I'm like, this is a good idea. This is a really good idea. And you should see the way that the the like the normal average everyday strip club customer comes into a bar on a Saturday night, didn't realize the Midnight Devils were playing. Now he's got all these guys dressed in makeup and glitter and, you know, all these uh, uh, drag queens and everything and uh, strippers, the whole nine yards. It's just a scene. It's a wild. 
See, the way you got to do it, instead of paying one to follow you around or two to follow you around, you got to go to all the local strip clubs and hire them for the night. I think Kiss did that. I think Kiss did that on the Revenge Tour. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're probably right on that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so besides the second album in the works and your two little tours or anything like that, you guys got anything else going on? Uh, you know, we're looking at... We're looking at, at doing Europe. Europe is is the the next huge hurdle on the list, and that kind of is all coming down to uh, COVID and everything like that. So that's the the, ma- the major goal is is get the Midnight Devils overseas, and and really I think there's a uh, calling, and that that music, our style of music, glam rock, has a has a bigger audience overseas in Europe, and so our goal is to, is to get over there. I think that's every band's goal is to get out of the States and, and become an international rock band. <laughs> and then you can give the big middle finger to the European labels that passed on you. Absolutely. I was thinking about sending them, uh, sending them copies of the, of the new CD and just being like, thank you. Uh, thank you. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> that's the classy way, of course. <laughs> well, Sam, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for appearing on the rock is George podcast. Hey, George, thank you so much. I appreciate it uh, taking the time to talk to me and uh, great questions. Really, I loved it. That was Sam Spade of the band The Midnight Devils. I want to thank Sam once again for coming on the Rock is George podcast. You could check out The Midnight Devils at their website, midnightdevils.com. Check out their social medias, stream their current album, Something Bigger, in anticipation of the second album, which is probably going to be something bigger. I want to thank Bob Long for sending uh, Sam my way. We had a great time chatting, and I'll tell you people, Facebook is a great way to connect with people. Uh, You've been great. I've been George Dion, and I'll see you again soon.